We are happy that you're here with us. However you got here, you're here. Thank you. Um, and we're thrilled that you're hanging out with us today and you've given us this time to share with you. When I was young, I uh, wanted to be the best at something, uh, and I tried to find something that I could do. And I had a dream after I read, does anybody remember the Guinness Book of World Records? Do you know those things? Us 50-year-olds probably remember that, you know? And so I remember reading one of those. It was about the Olympics, and I decided to myself, I was pretty young, I said, I want to be in, like an athlete. I want to be in some Olympic sport. And I just, this little chubby kid, I'm not good at sports. I'm still not good at sports. I mean, I know I look like I'm really good at sports, but, <laughs> but I'm not. Uh, and I look, at the Winter Olympics was coming up, and I look and I go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick something out that I could do when I get a little bit older in the Olympics, the Winter Olympics. So I start looking at some of those things like skiing. I don't even know how to ski. I'm a little kid, too. I don't even really want to learn how to ski. Ski jumping, you know, where you, like, basically are flying. You've seen that? I ain't doing that. That's too scary. And I settle on uh, the Olympic sport of curling. You guys know that sport? Because I'm thinking, okay, a big giant rock thing that they slide down ice and you have an actual broom and you just sweep in front of it. Like, I could do that. I remember trying to practice with a broom, throw some ice down the, the walkway and practice and just sweep in front of it. You done that? You know that sport? Some of you are like, that's not a sport, Ron. But you watch, it is, man. It's a lot of work those guys put into that, sliding and balancing and all that stuff. And uh, that dream died, though. I did not make it to the Olympics. I wish I could tell you, like, the best part of the story would have been, and in 1982, I went to the Winter Olympics and won the gold medal in curling. Wouldn't that be awesome? No, that did not happen. That dream died, along with many others at times. I remember uh, taking my little brother, uh, Kurt, with me in the truck. My parents were gone. I think I was in maybe my early teens. My mom's here. She could probably tell you when. But it, it uh, was one of those times, I mean, I don't know if any of you have done this, but uh, I decided that I can drive, uh, and I didn't you know, have a license or anything like that. So my parents left, so I got the keys to the truck, and, and we had a long driveway. We lived out in uh, Weimar, and I drove the truck down the driveway. Really straight, nice. So I told my brother, I'm Mario Andretti. You know that guy? Remember that? Some of us old? Watch how I can drive the truck backwards really fast. Yeah. My race car driving days died as well. That dream was gone when I went into the ditch and had to get the neighbors to pull it out before a dad and mom got home. And I tried to squirt all that mud off and get it out of the driveway, but um, that ended sorely, if you know what I mean. <laughs> I don't know if you had any dreams that you thought, when, especially when you were a kid, even being a pastor now, it's shocking to me to stand on this stage right now before you. When I was uh, going um, to high school and then, you know, I graduated high school, I'd end up going to Bible college at least for a year before I stopped temporarily. And I remember I've told a lot of you before, if you've been, how Cap Marks laid a hand on my shoulder um, when I was praying down at the altar when I was a teenager. And I felt like God wanted me to be a pastor. And so... You know, I went, I went to Bible school down in Southern California because um, it was by the beach, you know, real godly reasons. And uh, I, I remember, like, feeling and dreaming, this is what I want to do. But then I realized that you've got to stand up on a stage like this and talk 
to people. And my first class, one of my first classes of Bible school was speech, like you're practicing what you're going to do for the rest of your life. And I was so scared and freaked out about it that I took an F, like right out of the gate and thought, you know, my dream is dying. It's, it's gone away because I can't get up before people. And God took me through a process of probably, like my college days, four years was actually six years and a lot of detours in between. I don't know if any of you know what that's like, but uh, my dream, it didn't necessarily die. Obviously, it didn't. I'm here today, and you can evaluate after the service whether I should be up here or not, but you still tend to come back. We've got some of our biggest crowds. Uh, But you know... A lot of times we hit things that are detours that end up leading us to the destiny that God has for us. And I think, believe, for a lot of you, for me, what would defeat me would become a detour to what, where, and who God wanted me to be. Maybe you feel like that today. Are you living the dream? You know, we use that term a lot, huh? but we use it in a sarcastic way. How you doing? I'm living the dream. And you're like, like we just did this whole thing with lamentations, right? When we ask, how you doing? You go, I'm fine. One of the things that people say a lot is I'm living the dream, but they're like, I go to work every day. I get up early. I work till late and I go home and I do it all again. Some of you have had dreams that you've been sitting on or Maybe mistakes that you made that you think your dream has died, your life is over, and you've settled for something less than what God has for you. Have you ever had a dream that you hoped would would come true, but it broke apart instead? And that could be in a lot of ways. It could be some area of your life. It could be a relationship. It could be the job that you thought you'd have, the children, the life that you dreamed of. Sometimes there's a big gap between where you are and where you want to be. You feel like that? Like, I want to be over there. I want to do this, but I'm stuck here. Maybe, maybe the death of a dream and your dead end is not your destiny, but a detour to something new. Proverbs 13 says these words. Think about this with me for a moment. Hope deferred, because if that is you, the dream part has died, or some element of life is feeling like it's defeated you, then your hope is deferred. Maybe a lot of you, your hope is gone. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. When we see, if we actually could say, I'm living the dream, man, and you mean it, God, I can't believe this. And it is like the tree of life. It's an amazing experience. But most people aren't doing that. Hope deferred, think about this with me for just a moment. Hope deferred causes discouragement if it continues on. So deferred is this temporary, right? Hope's put away. It's in the distance. Discouragement begins. So a lot of you in your life, maybe it's because of failure, failed relationships, it's because of a loss of something, whatever it is, if, if, if this continues on, discouragement begins, disillusionment then happens, 
confusion begins to set in. Man, did I hear God correctly? I begin to question myself, our dreams, you know, God, whatever. Confusion on where to go, what to do. I think I experienced that going through Bible college. I went to Bible college, then I took a year off because I don't know if this is what God wants me to do. And I worked for my grandpa's electric company. He was an electrician. Then I went back to Bible college up in Salem. Went through just some kind of rough experiences, ups and downs. And in all that time, then I get confused again. I'm like, I want to do this. Do I want to? I, I fail. I, and it's just all over the place. So I go back down to Southern California for two more years, finally get a degree. And you'd think that I'd have my act together by then. But I turned around and went and worked, uh, you know, on this big old house doing construction for a year. And man... You, in, in those times, man, you, you can get discouraged, disillusioned, and then doubt begins to grow. For some of you, maybe you're experiencing something right now, and you have this element of unbelief. You've stopped expecting God to answer your prayers. You've settled for something less. If that continues, distrust get, can give birth to anger. We can carry around resentment. We can blame God. We can blame others. We can blame ourselves. I'm no good. I am horrible. I continue to blow it. And then despair can set in. Complete loss of hope. There may be even someone here today, your hope's gone. So it's over. You're living a dead life. Because of some dream that didn't come true, some reason you blew it so much and now you think it's all your fault and your life will never be the same again, or loss, or whatever it may be for you. And when that despair sets in, defeat begins to happen to our lives. We settle, as I said, for something less than what God has for us. It can feel like darkness, a dungeon, and we can come just to a dead end. You can feel like death has set in. Are you here today and you feel like that in any way? It is the same space where the followers of Jesus found themselves 2,000 years ago. All their dreams, all their hopes just died three days earlier. Friday, the one that they placed all their hopes and dreams in Jesus went to the cross. They watched him die. It was a real experience. They saw him bleed. They saw him pass away, and they were lost. They came to a dead end. The one that they thought would rescue them and return them to the place, the dream that they were supposed to have, the land that was theirs. All these things died at that moment. Mary and the followers, it's scripture, you can read it in there. It says, they had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. They had hoped. But Jesus had died. So now what? Many of them would go back to what they used to do before. Some of them were so discouraged and mourning, they didn't know what to do. Many gave up and settled for something less. When they heard from the cross, from the, the mouth of Jesus, it is finished. 
all their hopes and dreams died. Many who once believed did not. It must have sounded like it's over. Death had won. Defeated. I think it's the place where many people find themselves in. Life's over. Someone has left you. Someone has abandoned you. You have got into the routine of life that is not what you want, not what you desire. Your kids aren't the way you want them to be. You're, you're stuck. You feel like you're at a dead end. Maybe even some of you feel like that with God. You know, we just talked about Lamentations, this book of mourning, this poetry of mourning and, and sorrow and suffering for five weeks. I think it was maybe one of the most powerful for me, and it sounds like for a lot of you that we've ever had a journey in these five years. It, it's, it'll be life transforming. But man, it was darkness, some of it. <laughs> it wasn't fun. Some of you, you're living in that space still. Some of you, you're here. We are so thrilled that you're with us, that you chose to be with us today, and you haven't been to church in a long time. I'm glad you're here. No guilt or pressure. I'm just thrilled that you came. But maybe you've been feeling like that. Maybe you feel like even God has left. He's abandoned us. What I thought was going to happen has not. And so you feel just like the followers of Jesus did 2,000 years ago. Nothing's changed for us. When we feel like our dreams have died, we're living in doubt, we're living in despair. But death of a dream and your dead end is not your destiny, but it can be a detour to something new. Praise God. So go with me to the story here, John 20. And I want to read part of this story to you, and then we're going to talk about it for just a minute. Um, normally, every Sunday we have communion. This Sunday we do not just because of the crowds and the time and all that, but we are going to come back, sing a song, and then we're going to get sent out with a blessing. Um, but let's look at the story for just a moment here. John chapter 20. Let me read it to you. I'll make some comments in there, and we'll, we'll talk about a couple things con- containing uh, it's con- con- uh, in the story. Early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. This woman that has had an experience with Jesus a long time ago, probably years earlier, Jesus had healed her of all these demons that were in her. She's become a new person. She had all her hopes and dreams in this man. She saw him as the Messiah. She experienced new life for that moment from him, and now she's discouraged. She comes expecting a dead body to be there because she's coming with other women to anoint him with spices. It was a Jewish tradition. And so she gets up on this Sunday morning while it was still dark. She came to the tomb and she found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found. So she sees this. She leaves immediately to go get some of the disciples. She ran, found Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. That's John who's writing this gospel, who's writing these words. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they put him. So now it's even another pile of discouragement or despair upon there. The body's gone. I came to mourn, to anoint, to just experience this. I needed this, and now the body's even gone. 
And she's, she's just, you know, taken back. They've taken the Lord's body out of the tomb. We don't know where they put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb. So they just start running to the tomb to see what's going on. They were both running. Now, this is like a dude thing. We're going to get this right here. They were both running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. That's like full on. John is like one of us. We ran. John says, Peter and I, a race, and I won. I don't know. They just threw that in there. Really, John? You had to... He stooped and looked in and saw the linen wrappings. Jesus would have been wrapped in this linen. Um, it's a very a tradition as well. And uh, he lying there. But he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside. He also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. While the cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up, lying apart from the other wrappings. Then the disciple, look at he does it again. Then the disciple who reached the tomb first also went in. And he saw, he saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that Jesus, that said Jesus must rise from the dead. And then they went home. Let's pause there for just a moment. Even in that, you can see they're still discouraged. Like some of you might be right there as well. So you come, even on Easter, or you've been coming to church, or maybe you go somewhere else regularly. Whatever the experience is for you, some of you still aren't there yet. Like, you want to believe? You desire dreams to be fulfilled, new life, but you look, you don't know what to do with it fully. Like you're just not there yet. I want to say that's all right. I just don't want you to stay there. And it just says they went home. So it's like I don't want you to stay in that place today. I hope some of you today and at the next service and at churches around the, the valley that someone comes like John and walks in and says, I see he's gone and I believe that he's alive. And that that can then give them new life. And maybe you're here today and you're kind of that, in that in-between state, that gap like the rest of the disciples were in. What do I do? I want to believe. Help me with my unbelief. The story goes on. They go home, but Mary comes back. Mary was standing outside the tomb crying, and as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, they asked her, why are you crying? Because they've taken away my Lord, she replied. And I don't know where they've put him. I'm lost. I'm mourning. I'm crying. I, I don't know what to do. I didn't want this. You may be in that spot today. I'm lost. She turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus. But she didn't recognize him. You know, sometimes, many of you might be here like this, you don't recognize the work of God because of all the despair, distrust, disillusionment that you've gone through. 
You're at a dead end. Things seem to have died. And you don't recognize sometimes actually what God is doing. You can get so discouraged in your spot, in your place, that you don't see what's going on really. It's interesting. She doesn't recognize him. It could be like that with your job, where instead of embracing where you are right now, you're always wanting something else, and you miss what's going on right before you. There's a lot of experiences in life that can be that way. And she is experiencing that. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. Dear woman, why are you crying, Jesus asked her. Who are you looking for? She thought he was the gardener. Sir, she said, if you've taken him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will go and get him. There's such a desire. But look at this one word, Mary. Mary, Jesus said. She turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which is Hebrew for teacher, don't cling to me, Jesus said, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father. But go find my brothers and tell them. He, you know, this one little, go find my brothers, that's the first time Jesus, I think, has said that, that way. He'll call them followers or disciples, but suddenly it becomes family. There's such a, a depth of intimacy there that wasn't there before the same way. Go tell my brothers, I'm ascending to my father and your father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I've seen the Lord. Then she gave them his message. What a beautiful story. Think about some things with me for a moment. Everyone goes expecting a dead body. They expected death to be permanent. Their dream of new life, gone. That expectation, the sorrow, the loss of hope had clouded their perspective. She saw a gardener in the garden, not Jesus, the same place where you might be today. We can miss seeing the truth when we are blinded by the hurt. And some of you maybe have missed God like you come to church on Easter, you don't maybe come the rest of the year, maybe it's because we have hurt you. And it can blind you to what God wants to do in your life. Maybe it's relationships that have hurt you and blinded you to new relationships that God wants to do. Or job, or again, Go down the list, there's many things, but we can miss seeing the truth when we are blinded by the hurt. But what if you could have a new beginning? What if you could have a new dream, a new life? See, I believe, and many of us do in here, we believe that God can turn dead dreams and dead ends into detours that lead to your destiny. So here's what I want you to know today. One. I want you to know that the resurrection really happened. This is real. This is not some myth that we're, you know, pushing on you. It's not some story, some fable. The resurrection really happened. We believe not just because the Bible says so, but because eyewitnesses, life transformation has happened. People have seen Jesus alive, dead, buried, and alive again. Paul, one of those people, writes um, about that in 1 Corinthians 15, 3 through 8. I passed on to you, he says, 
what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures said. He was buried, he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the scriptures said. He was seen then, Paul writes, by Peter and then by the 12. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. Then he was seen by James, and later by all the apostles. And last of all, as though I had been born at the wrong time, I also saw him. Paul says, listen, hundreds of people saw Jesus alive. They saw him buried. They saw him dead. They saw him alive. And he goes, and I am one of them. My life has been transformed. And for 2,000 years, we've seen life transformation in people. Christianity spread. Conversions happen. Sacrifices because of the resurrection, because of new life, because of Jesus, all around the world. People dying for this faith. The resurrection really happened. So we cannot just dismiss it. And cannot just be something that we talk about once a year. The resurrection really happened. Why is that important? Because if it didn't really happen, then we're not living a real experience. The resurrection also declares a real message that for 2,000 years has resulted in transformed lives. Lives have changed. So today, we come to celebrate not just an empty tomb, Jesus alive, but we celebrate the reality of new relationships, a new world, a new dream, and a new life, and not just for someday. So this isn't about the resurrection happened and someday we're going to live in eternity, with God in heaven. Yes. But you know what? The resurrection is also for today. Some of you in this room today need to believe, want to receive, and need life transformation for yourself. You need that. You want that. Romans 8.11 says this. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. God wants to give you life today. Why? Because the resurrection is real and real life transformation can happen for each one of us. For Mary... That new life began when she heard her name. And I love that. The death of a dream of hope had blinded her to the truth, but when she heard her name, everything changed. It turned her around. It changed her perspective. It restored her hope. It brought light to darkness. It destroyed death. It revived this life that seemed dead when she heard her name. There is something about hearing our name that can be so special. When I first heard my name, I don't remember the exact day, 
But when I heard my name spoken by my wife, Heidi, even today, it thrills me. It makes me feel all warm inside. Now, when it's, you know, out of love, because I've, <laughs> and my mom, I, the same thing, you know. When you hear your name that way, you know all the days when there used to be a phone hooked to a cord to the wall? Do you remember those days? Some of you don't know what that's like. But do you remember, like, did anyone have that experience when you were younger? Maybe it was in high school or something like that, and you're home, and the phone rings. Like, there's some, you know, guy, gal you like, whatever, and then your brother or sister answers the phone, you know? Do you remember that experience? And they're like, Hey, Ron, Heidi's on the phone. Did you guys yeah, know those kind of experiences? You hated it. You're trying to act all cool, you know, but inside you're like, oh, man. Man, she called me. What? This is so. Then you, hey, girl, what's up? You know, you don't, you try to, you guys, that. <laughs> you know that experience? Maybe you know it from conflict or other things. Some of you from broken relationships. But some of you, if you have broken relationship and it's been restored that first time where they said your name again, but in a loving way. Or family or parents that there's just something about saying our name it's even tough in here because I don't know all your names. Some of it, your dude, hey, this, you know, because it's a lot of people. But there's something about being remembered when they know your name, right? Even good business. Like, a salesman's going to get a lot further if they go, hey, Ron, how you doing, you know? Something about that. That's nothing compared to that day when this woman is so exhausted, broken, and hurt. Dreams are destroyed. Hope is gone. Life will never be the same again. She even has the living Savior standing by her, and she thinks he's the gardener, until he said, Mary. Golly, what a moment. What a moment when her eyes were opened to the hope, to the possibility of something brand new. It changes everything. I believe a resurrected Jesus is a powerful Jesus, a present Jesus, who gives life now and for eternity, who gives second chances, new beginnings resuscitates broken hearts, releases people from bondage, and restores relationships, and revives dead souls. He can turn your dead dreams and dead ends into detours that lead to your destiny. Do you believe this? So what are some next steps? Let me just give you three, three prayers today. All right? You, if you want to respond to this, I want you to use the communication card in front of you. And I would like it if you would write one of these three prayers down if you want to respond and put them in the box or give them to me if you'd like before you leave today. You're here today and you 
are thinking and wondering, desiring dead dreams and dead ends to lead to something brand new, and you need that for your life. So you're here today, and number one of prayer is that these are just real simple. You're not ready to do that. You're like, say, Peter, who wants to look in, and your prayer would be, I'm curious. God, I'm curious. If you're here today, and Grandma said, you're going to church with me on Easter, and you're like, oh, man, go to Easter. Someone promised you ham after the service, right? <laughs> All right, I'll go for food. <laughs> but you're not ready. I'm thrilled you're here. You got questions. You're, you're like Peter looking in and going, you know, Peter, without going into the big story, Peter blew it with Jesus. Denied him three times. He's living in brokenness. He does not totally, he's not there, man. But he still, it says, didn't he go look in? And he left. He'll go back to fishing if we keep reading the story. He goes back to an old way of life till, till Jesus enters in personally for him, says his name. But he's curious. You're in. You're looking in the tomb. You're like, you know what? I want this. I need this. But I don't know if I believe this. But I'm curious. God, I'm curious. Today, if that's your simple prayer, I'd love to know that. Write it on the card, hand it to me, put it in the box, put your name on it. If you want to talk about it, if you got questions, I've got some of the answers and I'll look up on Google the rest. <laughs> I'm that kind of pastor. I'll look it up. I'm curious. God, I'm curious. The second prayer maybe is for some of you that were there, but now you're not. And your prayer is this, these three words, God, I'm back. I'm back, God. You're, you're like Mary. I like this part of the story when she comes, she's freaking out. She goes and gets the disciples. They run off. But guess what she does? She comes back. Even in her mourning and doubt and disappointment and discouragement, with her dead dream, even in brokenness, She's back. Jesus even tells her that one little part where he says, you can't hold on to me. I want to tell you, you come back or you believe some of you need to let your old dead dreams die. Some of you, you need to allow God to birth something new in you. God has something brand for, new for you. And Jesus says, you can't hold on to me. There's something new going on. So you might write on the card and say, God, I'm back. You came to church before. You followed Jesus when you were young. But something happened in your life that's destroyed it. You've been living in sin and struggling and hurting and you're broken. You wonder if this is all for you, if God likes you. I'm telling you that he loves you. Resurrection is for you. So you might write those three words on your card. You pray them to God. It's that simple. God, I'm back. God, I'm back. I'm back, God. Give your life to him. He is the God of the second chance. 
He is the God of the third chance. He is the God of the fourth chance. And you can just keep counting. I'm back. God, I'm back. I remember praying that very prayer. Living for God. Working for God. Learning to follow God. And then running away from him. And then one day, simply saying, God, I'm back. And the last one is this. God, I believe. God, I believe. You've looked in the tomb like John. You've seen the empty grave. And it says he saw and he believed. Today you're here and he is calling your name. You see him for who he really is and what he's done for you. You're ready to give him the old and begin anew. You're saying, I need Jesus. You know that he died for you and for your sin and he rose from the grave and is alive today. God, I believe. You're ready for that. Write that on that card. I'm gonna pray for all of you in just a moment. It's that simple today. There's a lot more to it as far as following him, but it's that simple to come to him, to receive him. Romans 10.9 says these words, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. God, I believe. The worship team's coming. We're going to sing a song together. And I want you as you're singing to sing. I'd like some of you to be praying. I'm going to pray right now. But maybe you're here and you just say, God, I'm curious. I'm curious about this stuff. I want something more. My life feels like it's a dead end. God, I'm curious. God, I'm back. You once followed Christ, but you have not been following him. Would you come back to him today? And maybe you're here today and you say, God, I believe. You're ready. Father, we take time now to declare your love, your goodness, your death, your burial, your resurrection and how that is available to each one of us. And Father, we are so grateful for all of that. For God, the curious, Lord, they're thinking about you. They're wondering about you. They're looking in the tomb, and they're like Peter, critically and carefully wondering what's going on and what should I do. God, honor that. I'm so grateful for those people that are at least considering, Lord, you, thinking about what it means for their life. So God, be with those that are curious. God, I thank you that you are the God of the second chance, that we don't have to stay in the, the depth of the pit or the hole we're in, that God, you receive us back with open arms. And so Lord, for some people, they may be praying, I'm back, Lord, I'm back. I need you, God, I need life transformation. I've tried it on my own. It has failed me. Money and things and stuff and people, they failed me. But God, I'm back. I need you to change my life, transform my life. God, here is my life. I'm back. And Lord, for the people in here ready today, say, I believe. They've looked, they've seen, and you're calling their name, and they're ready to say, here I am. Jesus, thank you for your death, burial, resurrection. I need that new life. I accept what you've done for me and for my sin. You have forgiven me, died for me so that I could be free from it. And now I want to live for you. God, I believe. 
So touch each person here, Lord. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.